Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Sinister Soup, the show where we discuss genre fiction through the lens of film, literature, ridiculous conversation, and usually tasty beer. Sometimes I choose to drink IPAs. Anyway, let's do introductions. I'm Clay Vermullum, one of your hosts. And I am your other host, Travis Vermullum. That's right. You sure are. Indeed. And Travis Vermullum, what do you got for our first segment here today? Well, I have actually, uh, for the first time, kind of a friend, which uh, is is You have a friend? I have a friend. Oh my gosh. I have one friend. Uh, His name's Cedric, and he's an artist. Kind of just what I'm promoting today. He's an amazing artist, and he takes, uh, through his Instagram page, his Instagram art page, he takes uh, commissions. I mean, I could describe some of his work, but that wouldn't do it justice. I've really liked all his work because he does a lot of stuff that I just appreciate. He does a lot of kind of like geeky things. Like uh, he's got Dragon Ball pictures. He's got a few like Gundam pieces that I thought were really cool. You know that I'm a huge Gundam fan. He's done a lot of like portraits. I just wanted to promote him and his art page, which I'm going to spell out because I've don't fully know how to pronounce it. So if you just go to Instagram and you do at M-O-N-T-E-N-E-G-R-O underscore S-F. So All right. at M-O-N-T-E-N-E-G-R-O underscore S-F. And you can check out Cedric's art and maybe commission some work from him. He does excellent work. I'm actually thinking about reaching out, maybe have something done for uh, for a character for a D&D campaign or a tattoo or something in the future, because uh, I know he he's very good at what he does. So check out Cedric. Awesome. Always fun to find new artist pages. That's like uh, pretty much the reason I'm on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's some good stuff out there. Speaking of good stuff out there, what did you bring this week, bro? Well, I wanted to actually shout out three different people today. Um three editors that I've worked with that I found on LinkedIn. First, I want to give a shout out to Kristen Noland, who is my current writing coach and editor. Um, She is amazing. um, And she really puts in the hours uh, for what she charges. It's it's insane that you can afford as good a service as you can with her. Pauline Harris is the second one. Another uh, very affordable, very approachable editor. Um, out there doing it freelance and she has a lot of really cool offers that she gives away like uh, she helped me write a query letter last year Mm -hmm. and she did that for an extremely affordable rate it was like her black friday sale i think Mm -hmm. and then she has also done a couple proofreads and developmental edits for me since then so she's really easy to work with really fast really professional Um, So I just wanted to shout her out, too, because she's awesome. Uh, And then finally, I wanted to shout out somebody who listens to this show, uh, Philip Ridgers. Yeah, Philip. Yeah, Philip Ridgers. He is a excellent editor. Again, very fast, very professional, and uh, very affordable. All three of these people, I was able to, like, get very high-quality editing service with money that I was able to pay out of pocket. You know, they're doing the job right. And uh, they're still making it affordable for, like, independent artists. It's definitely a really cool service that they offer, these good editors that um, are approachable, affordable, 
easy to work with, fast, professional, all those things to be found at, at lower rates is really quite a special contribution to the art world in its own way. Yeah, I feel like editors too are so underappreciated sometimes, like, because nobody reads like the acknowledgement pages. Usually people don't. I do sometimes, but you just need editing for everything. It doesn't matter if it's like fictional writing, if it's a business job, if it's just advertising, anything. Editors will never not be around. And like, yeah, they receive a very little praise, in my opinion. And I think they really deserve more of that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, if you've ever if you've ever worked with a good editor, you'll know they're totally the un, unsung heroes, and they get a bad rap because everyone talks about they tear apart your work. But your work needs that, and if you don't think it does, that's your problem. <laughs> yeah, if you don't think it does, you have to analyze that through a different lens. <laughs> There's something else going on there, buddy. And it, there are other it has people. nothing to do with the writing. No, and everything to do with the writer. So we got artists, we got editors. And we got a book to debate. Yeah, we got a book to debate. We're going to debate gonna, a what? I'm going to need you to hold up uh, before we dice roll. And before you say this book, before even the book is said, I want to do something. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to cut in here. <laughs> I just don't even want the name of the book to to possibly mess with the mojo that I'm about to install. Oh, okay. I have, you're installing some mojo. I have my white glacial dice with the gold lettering. Uh, it rolled highest out of all of my dice today. Okay. And I'm going to do a, a little prayer, and I need you to just stand by while I, while I bless <laughs> the dice. Is there anything I, I can do to help? Uh, please no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to put this on a, on a nat 20 and levitate it with my special holder right here. And then... Uh, <clears throat> O God of randomness and probabilities, hear my plea. May thy glory to the bell curve of the universe favor me. May I be one of those who is on the tail end beyond the fourth standard deviation of rolling well. Bless be this D20. May it roll critical hits and score successes. Cool, thanks. Uh, that that prayer comes from uh, Kitsune 9 on a on a forum community I found with, with dice roll prayers. So I, I appreciate that. My God prefers sacrifices of blood. <laughs> so um, what book are we talking <laughs> about today? Now that my dice is thoroughly holy. Okay. Um, the, the movie or the book, sorry, the book that we are discussing today is The Blade Itself, which is the first book in the first law trilogy. By Joe Abercrombie. By that British man there. Yes. Indeed. All right. So uh, we're going to roll and, and we're going to find out the person who rolls the higher dice roll gets to argue that the book or movie, today it's a book, is the best book or movie to ever, uh, you know, come into existence, that it's an awesome piece of art. And Indeed. the lower dice roll, uh, Travis, you have more experience with this. Why don't you explain it? The lower dice roll gets to talk about why that piece of art is a piece of trash, not a piece of art that deserves to be heaped on the garbage pile of forgettable literature and or cinema, right along with some of the great pieces of such garbage, like The Room and other terrible art. So I was trying to think of a book I wanted to throw in that, but yeah, I just can't think. Nothing comes to mind, except for maybe this one <laughs> <laughs> if, you, 
Yeah, we'll see, won't we? <laughs> we will see. You're ready to roll. I'm ready, bro. <sighs> go ahead. No, you go. 16. I rolled a two. <laughs> did you say the prayer wrong? I probably did. I probably did. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't I uh, didn't do the sign of the cross. You know, I'm a That'll be me then. Yep. I'm actually excited about this. I, I just wanted to win. I'm not disappointed that I get to tear apart this trash book. I'm just, I just wanted, I wanted to win, man. <laughs> I know. You need one. But you need one. At I'm least I get to, at least I get to say my real opinion. So, uh, hey, Defender, why don't you tell us why this isn't a piece of trash? Well, it's very clearly not a piece of trash because this book, we've already talked about this several times. But we're both of the firm belief that, like, the characters are the most important aspect of any story, right? And yeah. this book is amazing at creating unique and fun fantasy characters. It, it plays with the classic archetypes in a very tongue-in-cheek fashion. And I think they do a good job of making sure that they don't feel... They feel like the classic archetypes, but with real people inserted into them. Like, the characters are not defined by their archetypes, but, like, they're still, like, classic characters, like the disguised prince, the bar the berserker, the old wizard of great power, you know, mm -hmm. and then, like, the disheveled, roguish assassin character. Um, they're kind of a classic D&D &D party. Every character is so unique and so human in that story that it's just one of the most fun reads I've, I've had in a long time. Mm. Um, like, Logan is, you know, he's like the greatest <laughs> champion in the North, you know? Like, he's mm. won duels, he's killed all the greatest other chieftains. Um, but, like, in the first interaction you have with him, <laughs> he's, like, desperately scrabbling through the mud to try not to die from, like, a goblin. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> and it's like so real because it's like if you've ever actually been in a fight, you know, it's not like this big epic thing. It mm -hmm. it feels like that afterwards. But <laughs> there's a lot of like rolling around and scrabbling through the mud. Joe Abercrombie like lives in that scrabble. Like the whole book is about that scrabble. And I love that. Fair, fair. I will. I'll give a little compliment that Joe Abercrombie does definitely know how to write uh pretty believable action sequences uh, this book though uh it let's start with glockta uh <laughs> so you open with logan nine fingers but then you immediately go to glockta and like you're taking the point of view of a character so you're automatically going to be like hey this is a protagonist and then that protagonist is just a just a scumbag like just <laughs> the worst type of human being you could ever want to encounter and you're put in his head from like chapter two, and that is jarring. But here's the thing: I I was I accepted that. I accepted that. I accepted that Logan wasn't perfect. Perfect. I accepted that Jezel was kind of like a prissy dick, um, and that he wasn't that great either. <laughs> All these characters, I'm like following along, and I'm like, fine, fine, you're gonna be bad, whatever. Call him West. Call him West. You're my man. Like, you're cool, you are a commendable protagonist, I like you, you're a good guy. <laughs> and then, four to five chapters before the end, 
Joe Abercrombie's like, nope, nope. He's gonna just beat his sister half to death and, like, definitely be a jerk and a terrible human being and, uh, screw you if you thought all my people were not gonna be evil as hell. (laughs) Um, and I just hated that. Hmm. I hated the hope of, like, having this one shining example of good in the midst of all these, like, really flawed characters and then then it's just like nope we're gonna rip that carpet right out from under you and west is just gonna beat his sister and like be an atrocious person and i almost didn't finish because of that but Mm -hmm. i don't think that's a flaw of the story at all i think that's Mm. what makes the story good it's not like he's the first person to ever do this or anything but he does it in a very tongue-in-cheek funny way it's almost like to me it's like if douglas adams and george rr R. martin's writing styles had a baby mm. joe abercrombie's writing in this book is like that Absolutely. i don't know i just i thought the grim dark elements were were far outweighed the like parody tongue-in-cheek elements and we talk about characters a lot and i really didn't like his treatment of Artie west uh, mm-hmm. Artie. Artie was like well described. I thought she had a really cool personality. I was very excited to see like her wins come out and her take her own like little path. And then her entire story is just like her in relation to her brother and her in relation to Jezel, which was, I don't know, I thought kind of a forced romance. Um, and then like at the end, you get a little bit of, and I understand this is a trilogy. We, I did only just read the first book, mm-hmm. but like at the end, you get this kind of tiny little bit of hint that maybe she's going to be with, like, not be with, but like do more things with Glockta in the coming books. And then it just ends. And I'm like, ah, what? Like, you give her characterization two chapters before you end the book. Like, what well, I wanted to know more about Artie, and I never felt like she was very fleshed out mm-hmm. i don't agree with that i mean i think that it was kind of refreshing to have like a female protagonist that was super flawed and like very real feeling but i feel like even in like robert jordan's stories you start to see their flaws but it always to me feels like a product of what's happened in the story not like who they were before and i mm. think joe abercrombie does a really good job of bringing out like who these people were before who these people have always been and why that's now informing their decisions because that's a big part of like where our decisions come from joe abercrombie does a really good job of uh, making me feel like these characters have a whole past and a whole history that's informed all their decisions see and that's where i don't know i just feel like you have too many it's an overload of that it's an overload of just dark characters even his gandalf character baez is not a very good person he's like a pretty pretty much a jerk and like everybody is like that the only two like shining examples of people who actually kind of had good qualities throughout the book were uh like i said column west and then um i think it was yolway no what it wasn't yolway it was uh the the guy the one that's part of uh the dogman's crew who's like the one they call the weakest oh fully yeah fully he was good and then what happens to the two good ones one turns out to not be good (laughs) to be like an abuser and the other one die Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then you're left with this cast that he's just continually reminded you is 
not very commendable in their virtues. What? And I'm like, why should I even keep reading? Like, what if there's not even one virtuous character in this? Why do I? Now, how is the dog man not a virtuous character? Dog man's totally chilling. His whole group is just. <laughs> They're all barbarian killers. I mean, which I guess the dog man could you could and two trees. Two trees is a peaceful war leader, you know, or a peaceful chieftain who was ready to kill his own man when it came to like challenging his 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 rule to challenge him as the new head. That's like the Northmen in Game of Thrones. Like they have the cannibals. They're like, (laughs) yeah, black. Don't really like the cannibals very much, but they are good at killing stuff. Beer of the week. week. Ten minutes is up. All right, I'm cracking. What? Uh, I'm actually gonna start. I'm gonna start. Jump right in because I'm ready. Um, I think you'll be really happy. I'm joining you. This oh week no! On the IPA quest Uh-oh. because I have had beers before from this company, uh, so I wanted to do a new one. And of course, I haven't tried their IPA because I don't like them. But this is Great Lakes Brewing Company. They have the coolest names for beers. They name them after, like, this is the Commodore Perry IPA. And the other night I had the Edmund Fitzgerald Porter. Man, just great. Just great stuff. But Right on. What do you have? I've got Hypnotic, or no, Magnetic Fields by Fort George Brewery. It's an IPA. Fort George is in Astoria, Oregon. Hmm. You might have to try this one. Oh, yeah, what is it? Commodore Perry. I'm either getting used to beer enough that I'm starting to like these, or this is just a good IPA. It's not as heavy on the hops, which I really appreciated. Mm-hmm. This one, what about this yours? one's like thick with hops, bro. It's hop soup. Hop soup. Hop city. All right. So, like, why don't you describe your beer to us? Describe the taste of it, because we we got to get better at this. It is a. Uh, it's citrusy. Uh, it has a light hop finish it's incongruous yeah what how is it incongruous incongruous um (laughs) not in harmony not keeping with the surroundings it is it's it stands out boldly like it doesn't want to be part of your society (laughs) like any good ipa it is a rebel it is a hipster (laughs) honestly though it kind of is like against the meld of most ipas because it's not as strong as i expected so Mm. Yeah, well, let me take another sip of mine here. This beer is, it's the promise of a label and a brand and a brewery that I could totally get behind. But mm-hmm. beneath that facade of camaraderie is the treacherous and vile, lurking, aspirin-like <laughs> flavor of hops, which I can't distill through my taste buds without full-scale revolt from mm. my flavor palette. Very well done. Well implemented. <laughs> um, we each were assigned an adjective that we had to incorporate into our description of the beer. And uh, if you can guess which two adjectives they were correctly, then you can pick for a future episode what adjectives we have to use. And you get a gold star on your boating exam. You do. <laughs> you do. You do get your gold star, which is great. It's more than SpongeBob. <laughs> he just couldn't do it. All right. So, what'd you really well, think about the blade itself? Well, I was I was gonna say, speaking of treachery, <laughs> uh, these dice are making me a liar. They're making me sin. They're making me a lying, awful liar. 
because I have lost so consistently. And I love this book. I didn't want to lose. I disagree with everything I said. Uh, <laughs> a little. I, I do think I kind of wanted Artie to have a little more screen time. But it wasn't because of her character. It, it, it was. It was because of her character I wanted her to have more book time. Because I thought she was so well written. Mm-hmm. But like... You only ever saw her when either her brother or Jezel like decided to interact with her. And I was like, ah, I want to see Artie more. I really like her because she's like, I don't know. She just gave up those vibes of somebody who like has seen some things. So is hard and is quick witted and like kind of sarcastic, but at the same time is so generous. I love that one of the first times you see her, she's like the only person to treat sand glocta like a person right that's a great interaction and i was like oh that was so good Mm -hmm. um because he just he's his bitterness just continues to grow and grow because everyone treats him like this thing and Artie is like hey sand Mm -hmm. exactly like i miss you (laughs) it's like his whole mind like i love that you get his internal monologue in that moment too because he's like oh I'm, I'm a human for 15 seconds. This is Yeah, nice. he hasn't felt that way for a long time. And he does mm-hmm. the same thing when he connects with Colum, which is nice. Yeah, and that, oh man, that was a gut punch. That's another thing I lied about. Of, I really, I still love Colum, but it's hard. To exactly, right? And I haven't had an author do that in a I while. Feel, yeah, I feel like, the exact same way. And you're going to feel that tenfold in the second book. Oh, man. Yeah, because West was, he was one of my favorites. I was rooting for him. And then he had his skeleton in the closet. And I was like, man, I I get that you have a, like a past now, but it's going to be hard to love you. Yeah, right. Yeah, that was a insane, insanely powerful conclusion. One thing I did, like, I don't know, it was a mild thing. It wasn't really anything that I think I actually felt super strongly about. I was a little upset that like we didn't get the Logan Nine Fingers beast mode until the very end. Like hmm. that fight scene was so cool. I almost wish there would have been maybe like one even just a hint maybe of like the fact that he actually changes as a person when he gets like that bloodlust. Because mm-hmm. all you got was these hints of like, oh, he's intimidating. He's killed a lot of people. Like, he's nine fingers. He's legend. And you're like, oh, I wonder why. Like, all this teasing. And then that hits. And you're like, oh, that's why. Because he, he like, isn't Logan when he's fighting. He's like a totally different person. Even the the little snippet when he looks over it. I think it was Yolway is, like, in the room fighting with him. And, like, his internal mind is like... He recognized that she was an ally. Sucks for her. <laughs> just like starts walking towards her to kill her. I was like, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had like, it was like one part of his mind remembered that he knew this woman. Mm-hmm. But the bloody nine didn't care. <laughs> yeah, the bloody nine doesn't care. Bloody nine was like, looks like a blood sack. <laughs> looks I'm going like to cut it I open. Kill. <laughs> yeah. I'm such a sucker for a great intro to a book. This wasn't the intro, but it was the intro to Glockter. And it was like his introduction, dude. Mm, I is agree. so fantastic. 
I see why Joe started with Logan, but I almost wish he would have just like flipped those two, chapter one and chapter two. Mm-hmm. I agree. Because Sans' description of like just struggling to be is so <laughs> just sucks you right in, and it comes after Logan's, which is a good opening chapter, but it's not nearly as powerful as Glocktus. And you realize that your protagonist is the torture master. Yeah. You're like, all right. <laughs> this is the good guy. I buckled right in for that, you know. Oh, and like, what a what a like callback when he's talking to West and he's finally like connected with him, and then he says, "Oh, I can't remember the line," but he says, "Like, you remember our old master?" And it's like the guy he tortures in the very beginning, and he's mm-hmm. just like, "What happened to him?" And he's like, "Well, I heard he knew, moved north." <laughs> and you're just like, oh. You know what happened to him. And then Baez was great. The, or I'm probably saying these names wrong because I don't audiobook, but, mm-hmm. you know, he's sarcastic, jerk, Gandalf. He just rips people apart when they get in his way. He's just Gandalf who has no time for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> he ain't got no time. Gandalf is always quick to be like, well, Mary, come here, lad. Let me help you. <laughs> But Bias is like, get out of my way. <laughs> oh, you're here to arrest me. Snaps fingers, explodes. <laughs> He's just like, I ain't got no time. We have I'm a mission stuff. to do. Leave me alone. Yeah, it was great characterizations. So again, audience, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I'm a liar. And I probably will continue <laughs> to be. Um, the dice blessing didn't work. I'll try something else next time and hopefully not have to do this again maybe we should just do a book that you actually don't like or a movie you don't actually like i mean we could but yeah we could speaking of which not that i don't like this or maybe i do our next movie (laughs) that we're going to talk about just came out some of you probably saw it um and whether you liked it or not it has actually been a very positive indicator that the theater business may not be as in the toilet as we thought it was with COVID because Mm -hmm. it made quite a bit of money at the box office. People actually wore a mask and went. And so regardless of what either of us thinks about it, I kind of commend this movie for giving a little bit of love back to the the theaters that have been struggling so much. Um, But that is Godzilla versus King Kong. Yeah, we're going to be debating that good old kaiju action and uh as a closing note i would like to know what was your favorite scene in the book i think it was that conversation between glockta and column i think Mm. i I just really liked how abercrombie didn't leave it at their hatred i kind of expected that i expected wes to sort of just walk away but i liked Mm -hmm. that that Abercrombie pulled him back in and like you had this moment where Glockta was like hey I'm sorry I screwed up too I didn't know that you like visited me and then my mom just didn't tell me about it and they had this sit down and I really liked that circle back of like you get the soft side of Glockta and then the one guy that he tortured is mentioned and you get the side of Glockta (laughs) Oh, yeah. I don't know where he went. I think he moved north. <laughs> and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, there's there's Glockta that we know. He's back. He was gone. He's still there. He's still there. Still doing it. But you realize he's a person, too. 
Yeah, yeah. And then he has the capacity to forgive and to also admit. I think that was the first time we saw him as a character, like, admit his faults, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, that is really good. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, he basically used to be Giselle, which is interesting. Yeah, that was a cool comparison as well. And his jealousy at that. Like, every time he watches him, he just hates him. Right. Because he's like, I was actually good. So what was what was your favorite scene? Oh, uh, when Glockter interrogate, interrogates Logan. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Such a fantastic fun. scene. That Logan just is literally like, what, what are you doing with the wizard? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and Glock- Glock does like interior monologue that whole time. It's just like he's either a really good liar or he's dumb as a post. <laughs> exactly. And Logan is really just like the most honest person on the planet. Yeah, he just just he's like, like he's he's literally like, I love that too. When Byers is like, let me tell you the story, and <laughs> Logan's like, nope, don't want to hear. No. It. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> or he like genuinely doesn't know what he's even doing. <laughs> he's yeah. like, he literally took the first job he heard about and was, was like, like, this is my life now. I mean, I get it too. Cause like the first, that's like the first warmth he had in like a year. Mm-hmm. He crawled into that monastery and was just like, this is pretty dope. I got food. I got a blanket <laughs> and a bed. I'm just going to stay with this guy for a while. <laughs> right. I'm just going to roll with this guy. Uh, no, that was a great scene. Um, but yeah, my favorite was definitely, like you said, that um, interior monologue of Glockter, like using his professional mind to analyze Logan, who's just mm-hmm. like so honest that it can't even be believed. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's such a fun conversation and then Byers comes in and he's just like fix my wall get out of here get out of here <laughs> good times well, good times good book uh, next week we'll talk about Godzilla versus King Kong uh, either tear it apart or praise it for the glory it may or may not be mm-hmm. and we'll see who rolls the dice highest most likely not me statistically speaking statistically speaking it's not gonna be me but uh please if you have any suggestions for books or movies that we should review and talk about in the future uh let us know um and if you have any suggestions for uh bring some cultures that you want to have hyped up or beer that you want us to drink uh Mm -hmm. follow me on instagram at tvermulum og and please direct message me uh this is the thing i have to say again i don't follow people back who are who i don't know but yeah you got to do that first please um and clay where do they find you they find me at clayvermulumfiction.com there's a contact me page you can use um we'll also be posting the episode there so you can always comment on the episode itself let us know any of those cool opinions you have. If you want to guess which adjective uh, was our assigned adjective, then do that, and we'll have you pick the ones for the next episode. Uh, and they can find me, like I said, ClaverMullenFiction.com. I'm ClaverMullen on LinkedIn, and I'm ClaverMullenFiction on Instagram.
All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Sinister, Sinister Soup podcast. I have been Travis Vermullen. I've been Clay Vermullen. And we are both still those people.